Thank you for being here this morning. Good to have you worshiping with us today. I want to make a couple of quick announcements regarding next week, the in-gathering celebration. We will have one service only next week, as Kathy has already pointed out. We will have a Sunday school at 9, and the worship service will be at 1015, followed by our in-gathering potluck meal. I still need about five or six people to sign up to bring a meat dish next week, whether it be a turkey, a ham, a uh, something, some other kind of beef or meat or whatever your preferred uh, meat is. Uh, we will, uh, I will have some power outlets available. We will be meeting out in the, for the, for the in-gathering dinner, we will be meeting out in the, uh, uh, out in the warehouse area. Uh, I do need some help this week setting that up about 1 p.m. on Saturday, and we will have some power outlets. So if you're bringing a, uh, uh, something that needs kept warm in uh, a crock pot or something like that. We should be able to accommodate you. But I ask you to kind of think of it not so much as a traditional uh, Thanksgiving uh, in-gathering dinner, but more like a, an in-gathering picnic. So in other words, maybe bring a potato salad or something that you don't need power uh, to, keep, uh, uh, to keep it warm or cool. So that pretty much takes care of that. Once again, Saturday at 1, if you can help set up lights or set up tables, decorate, uh, we would welcome your, your assistance. I don't know if you have ever been invited to a uh, meal and sat down and had no idea what it was you were about to eat. Or worse yet, you knew what you were about to eat. And there was no way to excuse yourself graciously. We've had some meals like that in Mexico that we will never forget. Some very good, uh, taquitas, uh, tostadas, and all of those other things. Uh, and some that I'm really not sure exactly what they were. It had to do with animal intestines or with uh, some off variety of fish soup. I was always very proud of our youth. They ate it without making too much of a scene, and most of them lived to tell about it. We're not sure if it was the food or what may have caused the problem. Food is the topic of today's message, although the message is really about much more than that. And although on the surface it seems that here is a topic that is really not relevant to our everyday lives, in all actuality, there's a principle here that is more contemporary than the world we live in today, even more so than social media, and especially applicable to our current situation where we're actually preparing to build a new church building. In fact, I want to start by reading uh, today's passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, at least verse 1, out of the Living Bible paraphrase, because I think it really, it really uh, struck me at least as I as I read it in this translation. Paul says, next is your question about eating food that has been sacrificed to idols. On this question, everyone feels that only his answer is the right one. But although being a know-it-all makes us feel important, what is really needed to build the church is love. Let me read that to you again. It's a little different translation but I think it really gets at the heart of the idea. 
He says, next is your question about eating food that has been sacrificed to idols. On this question, everyone feels that only his answer is the right one. But although being a know-it-all makes us feel important, what is really needed to build the church, and not just a physical church building that we're preparing to build, but especially building the body of Christ, is love. So the church at Corinth wrote a letter to Paul asking a host of questions, and they sent three men to deliver that letter. We spent the last three weeks talking about the first questions that came up, sex, marriage, and the single life, and I, for one, am very happy to move on. So Paul goes, next question. Reading down the letter comes to the next question. Is it okay to eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? Now, that is not a burning issue for most of us here. But as I said, the principle is very relevant and perhaps the most important principle you will ever learn, one of the most important ones at least. Now, I'm speculating that there was a little more to the question than what is on the surface. I'm suggesting perhaps also that the messengers helped to fill Paul in with some of the background. And that must, discussion must have went something like this. Paul, we've heard you speak about Christian freedom on numerous occasions. We're free to serve the Lord according to our personal relationship to Christ. That means that if I'm invited to Indian Creek Steakhouse next to the shrine in Caldwell or next to some temple of an idol, and uh, somebody asked me after the first service, is there really a temple or a shrine next to Indian Creek Steakhouse in Caldwell. No, I'm just using that for effect. But there is an Indian Creek Steakhouse. But just to give it a modern flair, is it okay? Am I free to do that? After all, an idol is nothing. There is only one God. So Paul goes, okay, you guys have it. You've grown in your faith, and you have some knowledge. He says, let me tell you something about knowledge. And, once you, and get this, he's saying. And he switches from eating food to idols. Because you see, in those days, just, just like the Jewish people, the pagans brought sacrifices of cattle and sheep and goats and what have you as an offering to the temple of their God. And after the sacrifice was seared, the meat was split between the priests and what was left over was sold to the local merchants. So if you wanted a good cut of beef, of Angus or Red Angus or Charlet Cross, you went there and you bought it. Or you sat down in the temple restaurant and you ordered your favorite ribeye. When we were in Japan a number of years ago, we visited John's mother-in-law and father-in-law. John's father-in-law was very proud to show us the shrine that he had in his house. In fact, we sat around that as we, as we shared a meal together. In fact, uh, the, these customs, you know, this uh, offering food, uh, uh, offering a sacrifice to idols, as we were there, you know, he, he, they put a meal in front of us. Now, when we eat in, in Mexico, we eat whatever's put in front of us, and we eat all of it. And so we thought that's how you do it in Japan. And so whatever they brought out, we ate. Then they'd bring some more out, and we ate it. Then they'd go get some more, and we ate it. 
Well, come to find out, in Japan, it's, it's proper and polite to leave some. That way you've expressed that you've had enough and you appreciate what they gave you. So, so anyway, we're sitting there having one of these, these meals and, uh, and uh, he's uh, showing us his shrine that uh, he offers a sacrifice on, perhaps to their, their dead relatives. It was customary in Japan to do that. So this, pagan, this idea of these pagan sacrifices are still going on in the world today. But Paul, but people, people who came out of that religious system into Christianity were taught to have nothing to do with that way of life again. That's what they were taught, especially in Japan. In fact, we were instructed, please do not visit a shrine as much as you'd like to go check it out. Please do not visit a shrine, uh, which as I, I was kind of interested, I, I wanted to go. But our hosts did not want us to visit it because many of the Christians were new believers freshly out of that way of life, and they didn't want them falling back in to their old ideas and ways of worshiping idols. It didn't necessarily bother me. I knew there was, there wasn't, there's nothing to the idol. And although Satan is behind this false worship, I was not going there to uh, worship him. But out of respect for our hosts, we did not enter any shrines that I recall, although I do recall going to the door and looking in, just out of curiosity. Paul is saying, okay, so you understand that an idol is nothing but a piece of wood or stone. You have acquired some knowledge. You've learned that. So let's set the stage even more. You have knowledge. You've learned something by experience in your life or education or observation. It's, it's come down to you. You've been trained. You've been taught. This knowledge is not just referring to food and idols. It could be knowledge, as I said, that we learn through education, a career, or leisure, or vocation, or hobbies. You have knowledge. We all have knowledge here. You know more about something than somebody else does. You are better at something than someone else. Let's continue here. 1 Corinthians 8 from the NIV this time. Now about food that has been sacrificed to idols. Verse 1. We know that we possess knowledge. We all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Whoa. Knowledge puffs up or it makes us proud. But love builds up. But love builds up. We all possess knowledge, Paul says, as he's, as he's male men are sitting around him waiting for an answer. And here is a universal principle for us is that knowledge puffs up. What? Goes on to say, but love builds up. And we're going to come back to that a little bit more in a bit. But he's saying you have knowledge. You understand that an idol is really nothing. But the key thing, the most important thing, isn't what you know. It's love. It's love. Verse 2. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. Apparently these guys were kind of feeling like, hey, we, we have freedom. 
We know that that idol is nothing. It's okay for us to, to eat that meat that's been sacrificed to the idol. But Paul is saying, okay, what you know, first of all, knowledge puffs up. If you think you know something, anything at all, you really may not know anything. But I'm confused. Hang on here. Let's look at what we know. Everybody knows this one thing at least. Paul continues on, verse 4. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols. Pretty common knowledge probably in this room. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there were so-called gods, which whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many idol, lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father from whom all things come and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things come and through whom we live. But not everyone knows this. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. So get this, there is nothing wrong with knowledge. Ignorance is not to be preferred. But we have to be very careful with knowledge so that what we know does not injure our weaker or less mature brother or sister in the Lord. And now quickly three distinct advantages of love over knowledge. Not love without knowledge, but knowledge tempered or controlled by love. And this has application, as far as I'm concerned, all over the place. For me personally, as I read this and studied this this week, prayed over it, when it comes to construction and real estate, I have a lot of personal experience and even some knowledge, especially in regards to the building we're getting ready to build. But if I exercise that knowledge without a double measure of love, it can hurt people. This principle also applies in our parenting. Obviously, as parents, we have a lot more knowledge and experience than our children. We know more than our children. Regarding some things, just through experience alone. But knowledge without love will hurt our children. And we can take this into the classroom as teachers. We can take it into our, uh, as far as a job or business. This principle is everywhere. So three distinct advantages. Number one, knowledge generalizes. Love individualizes. Back to verse four again. About eating food sacrificed to idols. 
We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father from whom all things come and for whom we live, and there is only one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone knows this. Not everyone knows this. Knowledge generalizes. We all know this is common knowledge. You should get it. You should know it. But love individualizes it and realizes everyone does not get it. That little child does not get it. That teenager does not get it. Maybe even sometimes our spouse does not get it. And we have to be aware and sensitive to the one who does not know. And love does that. Love does that. Down in verse 13, If what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so I will not cause him to fall. Love takes it on an individual basis. Knowledge, no, knowledge knows it's obvious to us there is one God and that an idol isn't God. So no harm done if I eat meat offered to an idol. But for the sake of that one individual who does not understand that, Paul says, for that weaker brother or sister, I choose never to eat meat again. Knowledge generalizes. Everybody should know this. Love individualizes and recognizes some are different. They have different experience, different level of maturity. Everybody doesn't understand this. Number two, love evaluates clearly. Love evaluates clearly. Verse 7 again, not everyone knows this. Some people are still accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. Love is aware of other people and the effects that my actions will have on them. And back to verse 1, love builds up. Love builds up. Love builds that other person up even though they don't get it. Love is careful that the exercise of their freedom does not become a stumbling block. Love evaluates clearly. And number three, if we go ahead with an action knowing it will hurt someone's conscience, we sin against Christ. Wow. We started out with knowledge. We knew something, something that somebody else did not know. And perhaps because of their past life, a past addiction, a past family experience, that past still has a significant hold on them. And, in a, and, and I'm responsible for how I respond to that. I'm responsible for how I respond to that. If I know when you sin against your brother in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Against Christ who died for that brother or sister. Knowledge puffs up. All knowledge puffs up, Paul said. So we're to be very careful. The smarter you are, the more you need to temper it, to handle it appropriately. There's a place in Long Beach that I love to go to eat. It has a southern 
a, a southern uh, menu, and I love burnt tips and spicy grits with a Coke. I don't know if have any of you ever had burnt tips. It, it's tri-tip, cooked and, and cooked almost till it's blackened. And then spicy grits, grits with uh, jalapeno flavoring in them. Very good, very good. I was trying to share this restaurant with some of my friends there in L.A., and they said, well, we don't go there because it's racist. The restaurant was started by some racist people, named after racist people, and started that way. So we don't go there. Well, I investigated. I got some knowledge, and I don't think it's racist. But I didn't say that to them. I'm not going to argue with them at all over it. As Paul said, I'll never eat there again. My wife does a pretty good job cooking it. But I'll never go there again. Or I'll be very careful if I do. There are so many issues that divide us. Politics probably being at the top of the list. Nationalism being very close behind. Abortion. Again, all things political. We know stuff. We know right from wrong. We can quote scripture. We have some knowledge. But love has to temper all of that. Love has to temper all of it. Even if it means not talking about certain subjects with others who is going to cause a division. Not bringing up controversial subjects. Being able to reach across the aisle politically. Staying away from controversial subjects. Never eating my favorite food again. Now, this is only for the weak. In other words, I need to be aware of the one whose faith is weak and I need to be sensitive to that. But there are many Pharisees around who want to come up and say, hey, you can't do that. You're going to cause me to stumble. You're going to cause somebody to stumble. Or they're the judgmental or the holier than thou. No, we have freedom. And I don't want to take your freedom away. And I don't want to say that you can't do such and such. You have freedom to do it. Simply want to say when we have a little bit of knowledge, we know a little bit more than somebody else, we need to be very careful for how we're coming across to the weaker brother or sister in the Lord and who we have to look out for in order to protect, in order to nurture, and hopefully, someday, they'll be as knowledgeable and as free as we are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this very practical reminder today. And Lord, although it seems like it is a long ways removed from where we live, Father, I think it is something that is, is way more relevant and real to us than what we might want to admit. Lord, I just ask that you would help each one of us take what you've said to us today and apply it to our situation. Not use it to bully somebody else, not use it to judge somebody else, 
But Lord, help us to learn to temper our lives with love, to temper what we know with love, to temper our pride with love on how we come across on even as our translation said when we started not being a know-it-all not acting like we're a know-it-all and all puffed up on who we are thank you father for humility thank you father for right relationship with you thank you father that you have so much mercy towards us and you're so tender towards us lord help us to take that same kind of mercy that same love that same tenderness and freely and readily apply it as we build the church as you work through us to build your church not only the physical building that we're, the plans are being drawn up on even right now, but especially the spiritual building that you're building within this room, within each one of our hearts and lives. Father, we love you and we thank you. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.